The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. Uh, so one of the things we did yesterday, we did a little bit of painting on some on some walls, and uh, there was a bunch of our kids up here, which was great, putting them to work. And and some of this stuff is like, man, just destroy those giant weeds. Like, you can't do it wrong. Like, just go and wipe them out, get tools, get sharp tools, just be safe and, like, remove stuff, and they can do that. But the painting comes around, like, everybody wants to paint. And I don't know how you guys do with, like, painting with kids, but it's it's not the easiest thing. Like, when you're trying to paint a wall, and especially it's not our place, I don't want to get on the glass or the trim. And so there's this sort of whole exercise of, like, cutting in. You know, I, I don't I don't love painting. I can do it. I don't really like cutting in on corners. Some people are really into that. Like, i like, oh, gosh, cutting is, is the worst part. But I'd go, and the kids like, all right, they can do sort of these big strokes in the middle, and I'll try to cut in at the sides. And, and it seemed like no matter what I did, they somehow got outside the lines, right? Somehow there was paint, like, far outside the lines. There's paint on the ground. Of course, it's on the shoes. It's across the room. There's paint on the wood. They, you know, they're going too fast. They're getting too close. And I kept trying to, like, make the, the margins thicker. Like, if I could just make the cut in like this much and they just have to do this like it should be safe but no they would still go out and hit other things and they hit parts of the wall that weren't supposed to be painted like well don't you think it looks better if it's painted like this i'm like maybe but that's not what we're doing right now like back it up a little bit and this sort of whole exercise and i'm you know working with with cash who's out there now and and sometimes you know if you're a dad sometimes you're hard on your own kids or particularly like your own son and Cash just sort of driving me crazy the way he's painting. And he takes after his mom, by the way he paints, he just sort of like, Oh, we'll paint the outlets today. Cause why not? They should be white. And like, like, no. And it, and I'm, you know, trying to keep my composure and I'm trying to do everything I can to sort of help them participate, but not mess up. Like, how can I create a space for them that they can do it well? And, do it? and it was almost just, just impossible. And I wanted them to be there painting, and I was just trying to build up this way for them to, to get involved and trying to make it as safe as possible, but there's just, there's just no way around that. And one of the big issues that we're talking about in Galatians and really throughout much of the, the Bible, the text, particularly the New Testament when it comes to the law, is this idea that the Pharisees had around the law, the laws that were given in the Old Testament, there were... This was the Mosaic Law or Torah. So if you follow any of that, the the old five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, there's all these laws in it. This is like the Ten Commandments Law. So there's Ten Commandments. But overall, there's 613 laws. So when you get into Leviticus and Numbers and you read these Deuteronomy, these books, and this is what you should do, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. These are the law. This is the core of God's people. There's 613 laws. And this is what what they should eat, not eat, how they should handle disputes, what about land, how they should treat uh, people from other nations coming in, all, all this stuff, 613 laws. And over time, the, those laws were, were added to, and sometimes it would happen when, when Israel, the nation of Israel, was, was taking captivity. Uh, think of Babylon. This is where Daniel comes in this story. So the whole nation ends up in captivity. And the, and the religious leaders of the law were like, you know what? We're taking, being taken captivity because we're not obeying the laws well enough. We've got to work harder at the laws. We've got to do, do a better job of getting these 613 laws down. And so what they thought they should do, because the people were getting too close to the edge and thought we were breaking the laws, we've got to create more laws to create more safety, create a bigger margin, create a hedge of protection around these 613 laws. So we're going to add hundreds of laws around them so you can't even get close to it. So you're kind of painting, you're getting off to the side, and you're messing up. I'm just going to increase the margins on the side 
so you can't even get to the edge. So we're going we're to keep it safe. And so the Pharisees, over time, hundreds of years, religious leaders, added laws upon laws upon laws to help, to help the people. We, we think of the Pharisees a lot of times as like the bad guys. They were just who they were. I mean, they were just, that, that was a, their tradition. That was their, their upbringing. They were just doing the best they could to protect, uh, to protect the people and, and what they thought was right. So they created all these laws, and they added these other laws onto, onto it, and this would be called the Mishnah. So the Mishnah is all these extra laws. There's Torah, 613, and then there's hundreds of other laws added on to the Mishnah. And the way this would look, take, for example, uh, keep the Sabbath day holy, right? This is one of the core Ten Commandment laws. Like it's, it's law number four, keep the Sabbath day holy. And that was sort of all that was floated out there, like, hey, you need a day of rest, take a day to honor God, take a day to not work, take a day to not be consumed with the affairs of the world. This is a good thing. And, that was, and it was sort of left that way. The, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, when we talk about mission or adding laws on, added 39 laws around that law to make sure they didn't, they didn't break that law. So instead of having sort of this free will to like, you know what, I'm going to honor this day and I'm going to do it the way I feel like it would honor God, they spelled it all out, all the way down to how many, how many steps you can take, right? So this is where, where it went with the religious system. And this is what, what Paul and, and Jesus before, before him was particularly ticked at. Like you guys have, you guys have missed the point so, so bad. Because even the laws were designed with a little room and these guys came in and said, no, this, 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 and this. And they built this, this, this hedge of protection around each of the laws. And when we get to Jesus in Matthew 22, he, just, he sums it up all this way. Love God, love your neighbor, right? Love God, love your neighbor. Let's, let's do that. And all the rest is you can kind of figure, that, figure, out, figure out the details in your own sort of way by the power of the Holy Spirit. And these rules that God made, it, it showed his heart. They weren't bad rules. They were just rules we couldn't fulfill. It was like trying to do the painting and not get outside the lines. Like, we're just not capable of it. And so Jesus came. He didn't say, oh, those, are, those laws were a mistake. Like, he said, I'm going to fulfill those laws because you guys, it's too much for you. So I'm going to complete these laws myself. I'm going to take care of it once and for all. I'm just going to cover you all in that. And here's what you guys should focus on. Love God and love your neighbor. And, 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 and kind of go from there. And it doesn't change the fact, and we, we talk about when, you know, when we paint, like, oh, is it okay then if I just paint the outlets and whatever? Like, no, it doesn't change the fact there's a kind of, kind of a moral, right, godly way to live. I'm just saying, God's saying, hey, I know you can't do it. Like, you are incapable of just painting that wall and not messing it up. And he says, you know what? That's okay. I love you, and I want you to do your best, but I've already taken care of the mess. And I want you to paint. And so even in the religious system, sometimes they would say, well, you know what? Only the professionals should paint. But Jesus like, listen, everyone can get on the wall and try to paint. I, he's like, I'm not worried about it. When you, get, when you make a mistake, I'm, I'm not surprised. And this is the big issue that Paul's talking about in, in freedom. The freedom of Christ is inviting everyone in to come and paint on the wall. It's like, I don't care who you are, where you're from, how good you think you are, how bad you are. It's okay. I want you to come in and, and you're invited in. And if you make a mess somewhere, it's okay. I, I, Jesus like, I've got the ultimate magic eraser. It's all good. I've taken care of it. It's going to look amazing when you're done, no matter what you do. And the religious leaders, when we talk about Paul speaking to, to Galatians, because Paul had that message. You can throw that map up, Alex. He had that message to the people. Hey, you are free from the law. This is good news. You Gentiles who are not religious, you're not Jewish. 
don't worry about it. You're okay to come in now. We want you to come in, participate, come and paint, come be an artist in this, in this kingdom of heaven with Jesus. It's good things. Don't worry about all the, all the burdens of what you should do or don't do. I'm, I've now given you the Holy Spirit to guide you. It's an amazing gift. You can let that other stuff go. And there was some freedom, and these churches were born out of that in that, that circle region of Galatia, all these churches. But people came in around them because there was conflict. We talked about last week, conflict in these areas between the religious and the, and the Judaizers. And they said, well, it's kind of great what you're doing here, but man, you guys are still kind of messing up. It's, I, know, I know he said Jesus is enough and he's covered it, but listen, if you really want to be in good terms with God, you kind of need to put some of these rules back in your life. Kind of need to add some of these things back in. And they begin to sort of change the gospel. And Paul is adamant and say, listen, if you start doing that, it is no gospel at all. And this Galatians letter to this, all these different churches, remember we talked about it wasn't just to one church or one person unique to this letter or this, like an email blast. He's like, you know what, who, who should I send it to? Sending it to everybody. And I'm, I am angry and I am upset and I am passionate about this issue. This is Paul's tone coming into this letter. It's just sort of like we said, it's all caps version, like pay attention. Because Paul knew, and we're, we're, we'll get into this in coming weeks, the first couple chapters of this book, really Paul's credential, it's who he is. And this is unique to his letters and his stories. He doesn't get this much into himself, really, as really in any other piece of his writing. But he's explaining who he is, because who he is is, is who they are and who they who they're turning into, and, and who he was, was this Pharisee and this, this purveyor of the law and this religious zealot. He's like, I know what you guys are up against. I know, and that's why I'm so passionate. Why are you falling back into that? And he's speaking to them as a person who has great failure in his life, who would talk, to, talk about himself as a, as a chief among sinners, the most passionate of the law than anybody else. And he cares because it's, it's close to his own heart. And he sees them going down this same road. And we have that sometimes in our life when you see people going down a road that you've been down that you know is not good. And that can happen with our kids. Like, oh my gosh, they're doing the same thing I did. It ends up in a bad place. It ends up in destruction. And it's hard to watch when you know personally. So Paul's speaking to that. He says this in verse 11. We'll, we'll just kind of hit a couple points and, and wrap up. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. And Paul's story, and many of us know this, is, is he hated the church. So if you're a person who hates the church, Paul's your guy. Paul was a person, he wanted to drag this church out and stone it, stone it to death. That he found out you were a Christ follower. He was frothing at the mouth. He's like, let's kill that person. So if you've ever wanted to throw rocks at church people, we have Paul. And he, was, he hated the movement of Jesus. He hated this idea of freedom. He was for the law. He was zealous for the law. He, he was exceeding in understanding of the law. In Acts 9, Jesus encounters him. This is post-Jesus' resurrection ascension, but he has a special moment with Paul. He encounters Paul, and he, and he, he, he bestows grace upon Paul in Acts chapter 9. And Paul wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for Paul. And I want you to, to think about that and take heart wherever you're at in life. Maybe there's people around you who are like, you're like, oh my gosh, they just need Jesus. And they don't care. They're not looking. It's okay. Jesus can still find them. 
Paul wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for Paul. And even in your own life where you're not trying to pay attention to God, like, uh, I'll deal with God for like an hour here and a half hour there, and I'm kind of good. I, I prefer not to involve him over here. He still may be looking for you over here. He's a God of pursuit. He always has been. He's gentle and gracious. Man, don't think for one second that he is distant. He's here now. He says, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion? How violently I persecuted the church. I did, did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. So he said, listen, I know about these guys who are influencing you. I was one of them. I was worse than any of them. I was stronger. Than, my zeal was greater than any of them. I wanted to destroy the church. Now he's planning the church. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I, before I was. Instead, I went away to Arabia. So at this time, when he's come along, there's Peter and James and John, and there's this council in Jerusalem, and, and God's work is starting. But he has this moment, and he, he finds Jesus, and Jesus finds him, and he's, and he's connecting. And he takes this time, even before he got involved with, with consulting the other people or, and, and going back to seminary and, and, and doing this Bible study and, and making sure he served in church, he's like, man, I just got to go spend time with God. I got to go lean into this Jesus. And Paul has this wandering time where he's like outside the map in Arabia. It's this distant time where he, where he gets away. And I think he's re-understanding scripture because he knew scripture front and back, but he's looking at it through a new lens. And, and, and Jesus changes our lens when we look at scripture. Maybe he was wrestling with God like Moses was or Jeremiah said, I am not the guy. Like, thank you for your grace, but I am not the guy to do this. Some of us have been there. Like, man, I... I'm not the guy. You're, you, you cross beams in the air with someone else. I, I'm not your person. And maybe he's spending time in, in, in the desert doing this. And he's, he's just taking away. But what he's taking a break from ultimately is just getting away from pleasing man, which has been his entire existence in that culture, being a, a, a rabbi and a religious leader. And, and the Pharisees were, were the center of political and social and religious culture. That was the epicenter of the Jewish nation. And Paul was excelling and being like the best of the best of the best. And there's pressure from within himself, his family, the people around him. And he's just been wrapped up in this world. I think when he encountered Jesus, there's a bit of it like, I got to get away from this physically. I need to sort of detox from this lifestyle that I've been in and just go see Jesus. He didn't even say, I need, I need, to, get some, I need to get some counseling. I need to go see this church. I, I just need Jesus first. And I love that. And for those of us who, you know, we have great resources in our life and there's good people around him, but it's, it's important to remember Jesus first. Sometimes saying, you know what, I just, I just got to take a break. I'm going to, I got to get out of here. I'm going to sit. I'm going to try to listen to Jesus. And Paul did that. And it was formative for him. And it wouldn't have been bad to go see Peter and those guys because he does do that. But in his life, I need, like, I need to get away. We talked about wilderness experiences. Jesus had those. Sometimes I just need to hit pause on everything my life has been about. I need to create some separation. I need to just get alone with Jesus. And this is Paul, this cool kind of wandering, wandering desert time before he comes back uh, to spend time with the, with the early church. I think Paul was a, was a driven person, and he talks about this just being, having more zeal than anyone. He's excelling and getting past people his own age, and he was a, 
the the chief of the Pharisees, and he was he was. Uh, again, like the best of the best, the top of his class. He had all these people under him. He was the big boss CEO. And he had built all this stuff up, and he was driven, it says, by the tradition of his fathers. So the, the culture, uh, the, the religion, he was just driven by this past to be this certain person. I think for you and I, we're all driven by something. We get up and we go to work and we, we make choices. We're driven by something. And the question is, what, by, by whom are you driven and where are you driving to? And Paul said, I'm driven by the tradition of my fathers. I'm, I'm driven by the law. I'm driven by, driven by upholding the law. I'm driven by making sure everyone adheres to the law. And that was where he was coming from. And it took him to a place where he set out to destroy the church. And for you and I, who are you driven by? Who's sort of driving the, the this sort of car of your life? You know, is, it, is, it a, is it a finances? Is, is it a person? Is it a goal of a certain status in life? Is it your competitors at, in your field that are driving you forward? Where's that coming from? God, thanks for this, uh, this morning. Thank you for your, your word, for the text. Uh, thank you for people like Paul, Lord, who were far from you. Uh, but Lord, you did not let him go. No, he wasn't seeking you. You were seeking him. Lord, I pray you would continue to seek us. Uh, those of us who are just even trying to avoid you, who don't think we're the right person, Lord, we invite you in. I invite you into this community to lead us and guide us, Lord. God, may you lead us. May you drive us. May you give us direction. Or may you take us where you want us to go. In Jesus' name. You have been listening to Pastor Jesse Chilio, recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. For more information about New Church, go to NE. U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. Again, that web address is N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you and yours.